Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Now on Food FM, you're listening to Bread and Butter with Caroline Kenyon. Caroline and her guests make sense of the world through food, from politics to farming, making and cooking. Online, on smart speakers and on Listen Again, this is Food FM. Hello, I'm Caroline Kenyon, and I am absolutely delighted to invite you to listen to this episode of Bread and Butter on Food FM. And Bread and Butter is really a wonderful opportunity for me to talk to all sorts of fascinating people in the world of food and drink. And today we're just exploring this very intriguing world of education and those who want to learn that little bit more about food and drink. I am very pleased to welcome to today's programme Mary Quick of Quick's Cheese, who's a founder of the Academy of Cheese, and also Rupert Ponsonby, founder of the Beer Academy, who's going to talk to us about beer. Welcome to you both. Thanks very much. Great to be on the programme. Well, it's lovely to have you here. So maybe we should just start at the beginning. Mary, obviously your your surname is synonymous with your amazing cheese, but just tell us a little bit about your food journey from from when you were little Mary, knee-high to a grasshopper, and how how you came to be involved in setting up the Academy of Cheese. I come from a beautiful farm in Devon that grows wonderful grass. Uh, The milk on the farm had always gone to a cheesemaker, and my mother and father decided in the 70s to set up a a cheese dairy, which which at that point needed a licence from the Milk Marketing Board, which actually took about six years to come through. So I remember them wondering whether they should go into the adventure of cheesemaking, and I'm so glad that they did. And we make a cloth-bound cheddar uh, in a traditional shape with a wonderful rind, uh, milk from our own cows grazed for ten and a half months of the year with lovely heritage starter, the cult- starter cultures to make the cheese and handmade small batch, I mean, Lovely, wonderful, which we have been selling kind of around the world as well as in, in the UK. And we, I was judging cheese in America. When I started judging cheese in America, I, they were developing something called the Certified Cheese Professional. And I didn't know what this was about. And then over the years, I could see people taking these courses, young people getting really excited about what they could know about cheese. And then I saw these people in shops and restaurants and people queuing up to buy from these knowledgeable people who were who knew what they were talking about and really excited. So I wanted to set that up in the UK. I couldn't set up exactly that certified cheese professional. Um, the Americans didn't want to do that. Didn't, uh, so I, we went to WESIT, the Wines and Spirits Education Trust, and they were really supportive, have been really supportive of us setting up the Academy of Cheese. And the aim is to do for cheese what Wessett, the Master of Wine program, did for wine, which is, you know, in the 70s, wine was a few posh blokes uh, who knew about elite wines. 
and then everybody else was on Hirondelle and Blue Nun and those things, you know, really not very interesting wines. And with all of that wonderful knowledge that's come with the Academy, uh, with the with the Master of Wine, and you get Jilly Gould, you know, people, wine journalists and programmes about wine and wonderful selection of wines and, and beers in supermarkets that, uh, you know, we all now know you can go into a pub and order a Sauvignon Blanc or a Merlot or whatever it is you like. People know stuff and, and it's not scary to go up and have a, 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 a and ask for some wine that you like because people know about that stuff and I really want that to happen in cheese so that so that people who make cheese understand about what other other cheeses there are. People who sell cheese aren't scared when people say, "Oh, what what's good?" And that people who buy cheese aren't confronted when they look at a walk into a deli and see a great selection. That they, they everybody feels empowered to 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 have great cheese, and then cheese can be sold for its value and its flavour rather than just its price. Wonderful! I love that. It's a sort of democratisation of the knowledge about cheese, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Lovely. That Rupert, tell me, tell me your your beer journey. My beer journey started with a telephone call um, back in 1993, I think it was when um, someone ran from the Whitbread Beer Company, who are a great big brewer, um, and they said to me, do you, did I know anything about beer? And I said, no, nothing at all. And they said, but we hear you know about wine. I said, yes, I do. And they said, well, we want someone to start a campaign for us called Beer Connoisseurship, which actually looks at beer in a totally different way, not from a beer person's point of view, but from a wine person's point of view. So we developed a campaign for them, and we developed 12 beers, one a month for, for, for a whole year. And the idea was to try to add um, intellectual interest, I suppose, into the word beer. Because in the past, people just said beer is beer is beer. What we're trying to do is, is like Mary is trying to do with cheese, is actually to say, no, beers can be totally different, all those different styles, all those different ingredients. So we started off by saying, what is the flavor of profile of each hop? And there was nothing in any book about the flavor of profile because they always blended them all together for that ghastly word, consistency. I know it's a very good word. It's also a horrible word. And so instead, what we're trying to do is to um, look at the individual flavor profiles. So we did 12 beers, each from a different hop. We found that some were tasted lemon, some tasted a passion fruit, some tasted earthy, some tasted honeyed, but no one had ever done it before. And so we developed all these beers, and then we tried to work out what grain bill, what mixture of barleys or wheats or kilney of barleys or wheats or rye or sorghum or maize or whatever would actually enhance the flavor of those hops so that you had the wonderful fruitiness of your lime or your passion fruit whatever else underpinned by all the flavors of barley or other cereals which can be brioche can be croissant can be white loaf brown loaf uh, chocolate coffee whatever so it's trying to mix them all together and that's where we started the, so we i did that for about two two years with whitbread and eventually about 2003 we suddenly thought why is it that there's no way at all that anyone can learn about beer in Britain? Unless you're trying to be a brewer, there is no f- format. There is no WSET, Wine and Spirit Education Trust. So we started the Beer Academy. Fantastic. So it's very interesting that you both reference the Wine and Spirit Educational Trust as the sort of the lodestar that's um, guided you. Basically, tell me a little bit about who your students are and what it is that brings them to you. Well, it's extraordinary. I love it. We've we want to create uh, 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 four levels, three levels and master, the Master of Cheese level. And at the moment, we have created level one and level two. We started in <coughs> 2016. And a little bit over, about uh, 
uh, a little bit over at level one, a little bit over half are professionals, you know, cheesemakers and cheesemongers and cheese um, wholesalers and chefs, and uh, and then about 40% are consumers. But what's really odd, and it may be something to do with COVID, um, uh, and and the fact that we've now got these the study materials all online, is we at level two over half are consumers, which was kind of, we felt that quite unexpected. So people have got, what this is demonstrating to me is that people have got this enormous appetite to understand who, what the cheese is, and people love knowing stuff. And of course, when you know stuff and you know about the flavors, you know, whatever flavor it is in, in, in cheese, like Simon was, uh, like um, Rupert was talking about in, in, in beer, it actually enhances your pleasure because you can distinguish out those different flavours rather than just quaffing or scoffing it. Absolutely. I mean, I think appreciation of anything from sort of cultural, whether it's you know food, beer, or a painting, is enhanced massively by more understanding and, and knowledge about the sort of the complexity behind it. I was intrigued actually when you you mentioned that COVID has fueled this enthusiasm for for learning at, at the higher level. Just from your, without sounding dismissive, but your sort of average punter like me, have you seen the same, Rupert? Has that happened with you? Um, I think it has happened um, because I think more people now are, have the time maybe their metabolism has steadied down a bit and instead of one rushing off from a to z to b to y they suddenly realize they don't have to do that and therefore i think they can start to look at words or foods or drinks which they've heard about in the past but have never really understood so i think both mary and myself we're into the educational side but trying to make sure that our education doesn't sound or feel like education so my dream is always to take the, the, the negative mystery the inhibiting mystery out of a subject at the same time as adding the magic I think that's a wonderful way of putting it. I'm fascinated by the concept of a master of cheese, Mary. Do you as yet have any masters of cheese or is that still to come? Still to come. And we've got people who are competing to become the first master of cheese. And one How of the exciting. Things, I know. And one of the things that a master of cheese will have to do is to do some original work uh, that's of contribution to cheese. And right now, that original, those original bits of work are actually going to form what it is that people at level three need to know. So um, and at level one is you have to get your mind around 25 cheeses, level two, 100 cheeses, level three, 300 cheeses. And, uh, and at, at the master of cheese level, um, uh, you know, wide understanding of cheese making and, and, and eating and selling and, uh, you know, uh, but also to do this original, original contribution. And we've just had some extra, an extraordinary contribution from our first Master of Cheese candidate. But uh, of course, we haven't done level three yet. <laughs> no, so, gosh, that sounds so intriguing. And I can't wait to hear more when you're able to talk about it. But I imagine it's all under wraps. Mm. So, uh, Rupert, do you have a, a Master of Beer level? Um, we have a Beer Sommelier, which is maybe slightly tangential. But um, what we found is that in the world of wine, they very cleverly have the cohorts of um, people, male and female, who are wine sommeliers and they dress in, dress in black and around their neck they have a silver tasse de vin and they always have wonderful French accents even if they come from Dagenham and um, and we we as beer people have been lagging behind because if you look at restaurants practically every restaurant has a long wine list quite often going into thousands of wines but they don't 
historically have a beer list. So one of my jobs from 2003 onwards with the Beer Academy was actually to help people have a beer list. And I was out dining last night in the Bombay Brasserie by Gloucester Road. And they, he has about 15 beers on his list. If he, His other restaurant, which is called Quillon, which is by St. James's Tube in London, he has beers which are vintage beers as well. So he's saying that you've got to have a fruit beer, you've got to have a wheat beer, you've got to have a, a, an ale, you've got to have um, maybe a sour beer, because sour beers are all the rage. So suddenly now everyone's doing different things and we're trying to raise the whole image of beer by, by letting people know what that you can have a different beer for each food so the beer sommelier has to know how to, how to manage beer and food as well as looking at the history of beer looking at the beer styles looking at beer faults which we do a course on difference in bottled beer draft beer what is cask beer our iconic english drink uh, you know we got to know about all these things so it's quite a nice like the cheese version it, you have to be quite a, a broad knowledge yes I, i'm so full of admiration because i, I i'm speaking to somebody i think i I academically peaked at about 17 and it's been downhill ever since but the amount of knowledge that your students are having to acquire and cram into their heads is quite formidable isn't it and what I'm intrigued by is what I think is the strand that connects both of you and that there's a lot of chemistry involved isn't there? Yes there's a, 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 yes of course there's chemistry but What's you, you know you speak about learning and uh, and knowledge and understanding as if it's as if it's something scary. This this is what we're looking to do. I think, and I hear that with what Rupert is saying, is we're looking to you're you're learning because you're eating these amazing cheeses and you want to know how, how did that flavour get there? How did you make it? What happened? And then you know uh, 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 as you go up the levels. What had to happen to milk? I mean, milk is kind of pretty milk. There are slight differences in species and exactly what the cows are fed, animals are fed on and so on. But you know, out of that, you make this myriad one wondrousness of cheese. Now, what had to happen to that cheese? So it's not like it's scary chemistry. It's, oh, okay, that the acidity did this and that's why that flavors like that. So it's... A, experience through what gives you pleasure and joy. I think that's a lovely way of putting it, Mary. And I was, as you were speaking, I was thinking you are articulating beautifully the, the joy of learning and the joyfulness. Thank you. How about you, Rupert? Do you find that your, your students start off a little apprehensively and then they're sort of swept away by the excitement of it? Yes, I mean, also bizarrely, I mean, going back to students, um, students <clears throat> range from people in breweries, people in distribution of beer, people in pubs because all these people have been selling things they didn't actually understand what they were or how they put together so our job is quite a broad brush so as to involve all sorts of people in knowledge of beer so i think it's really really exciting and through knowledge comes means you can sell, you can sell the, the drink properly if you know how it's all put together when i go to a pub when i drink my beer instead of drinking my wine and saying yes that's very nice chardonnay or sauvignon blanc i try to work out what hop is in my beer since each hop has its own particular profile we add sort of intellectual amusement to try to work out whether I can see where in the world hop is from because each country has its own sort of flavour style. Ours are earthy and subdued like our national characteristic. Germans are slightly spicy and sort of gentle. Um, American are in your face and so you know, each country, Australia is quite wild and wacky so it's really exciting you can almost see the national characteristics through their hops. How fascinating and how often do you get it right Rupert or is that a question I shouldn't ask? Well, the funny thing is, I went oh, about three years ago before COVID. I went out with Oz Clark to the White Horse Pub on Parsons Green, and we both drank a drink, and we both said, "Gosh, what hop is that?" And we both said, "Gosh, I think it's Amarillo and Centennial from America." And, and by gosh, we were right. So I'm never doing it again because <laughs> that was your high point. That's the high point. Everything else is going to be lower ever since. Yeah. 
<laughs> Absolutely. I just wanted to ask you both, it's become trite to say that, you know, COVID has accelerated change, but often truisms are true. How do you think Brave New World that we're occupying of awareness about health and much more time spent digitally thinking about the climate emergency how do you see that impacting on both your areas do you are just these things that you're thinking about in the world of cheese or the world of beer absolutely i mean our first um master of wine submission was cheese and the environment um so which is so which is interesting isn't it of all the things you could think about cheese but, uh, you know, it feels like we have to get our minds around what it is, you know, what it is we can do, what it is, what impact it has, um, it, you know, how, how, how dairy farming, you know, can rely on grass, which can sequester carbon and what we can do about the methane that animals produce and so on. And, um, and the, the, the digital, I mean, this digital thing is extraordinary. People are now, we've got uh, about two and a half thousand people studying or having studied, and they are across 70 countries in the world. And we have 29 training partners, uh, eight of whom are around the world. So, uh, and they're studying 24 seven. So, you know, they, they get the cheese from wherever they get the cheese. They can, they, but, but people can study whenever. Obviously, uh, and but now people, I think, want to go back and um, study with other people. Health, of course, is is uh, you know the degree to which uh, you know the impact of cheese on health is amazing with what it offers and the discussion about that. I guess that might be another uh, Academy of che the uh, another Master of Wine submission quite soon. But I don't know. That, I don't know where we are on that. And what about the, the dare I? call them the new cheeses the, the vegan cheeses are they featuring in your discussions or are they not included i think we we may have to reference them i was actually just reading vegan cheeses have very little the most common the most um uh, uh popular vegan tree cheese where cheese has protein has carbohydrates so i was thinking ooh, that sort of fatty carbohydrate doesn't sound like a great thing to have when you've got you know the amazing protein and the calcium and the B12 and everything that you've got got in in cheese from an animal and you know and what those animals tend to be creating food for us from areas where you couldn't really grow plants for food yes no, no absolutely humans. I just I just wondered whether it was a set of uh, an item for discussion because I know that the vegan cheese industry is growing sure and and it's important to know uh, you know we need to recognize that that's part of that world and it's but it's it's also interesting to see what it's actually doing mm. and so Rupert what about you how are you seeing but breweries have already tried to reduce their the water usage in in the in the brewery um, so that's a good thing they're also trying to use the heat from one brew to actually warm up the next brew um, they're also it's a farmer which I am um, we're also trying to obviously reduce all our all our pesticides fungicides herbicides um, synthetic fertilizers and I'm really am I'm growing one crop at the moment which is a heritage wheat where we haven't used any treatment of any sort at all no no fertilizer apart from animal fertilizers and no treatments of fungicides pesticides herbicides and our yields gone right down but then our traffic our movements of tractors gone right our actual use of chemicals is zero and I'm really excited to see the flavor so we're not just doing this to be nice to animals and bugs and beetles and pollinators we're actually trying to do it to enhance flavor as well
what we haven't talked about yet is also I think what lockdown has taught us is, is it inspired more beer, beer companies to do d- home deliveries and obviously more cheese companies to do home deliveries and I think the actual pairing of beer and cheese you know we always thought that at the end of a meal your fancy waiter comes around and he offers you red wine to go with cheese which I think is a bad idea anyway I think sweet wines and white wines are quite often better with cheese than red wine anyway and then in terms of beer I mean, here on my table here beside me I've got you know, I've got sort of people like Innes and Gunn, which is Oakage beer from Scotland, and being in Oakage beer, it actually has a greater fattiness, greater mouthfeel, greater creaminess, probably it goes very well. I've got a fruit beer from Leafman's. You know, they've got bitters. Uh, I've got stout, got a lovely stout here, Vanishing Point Stout. But even the stouts go really well with blue cheese, for instance. So I'm hoping that what's come out of this is to be less reliance on imported wines. I think our English wines are blooming beautiful. And I think we'll be doing more actually serving British beers with diff- a whole range of beer styles and then getting one of our beer sommeliers to match them with cheese. Well, it sounds actually wonderful. And I, I, I will make a sort of dark confession that I have not hitherto been a great beer drinker, Rupert, but I am so captivated your, that your, the, the list of flavours that you wheeled off earlier, I, I think that I am about to um, break the habit of a lifetime and start pairing beer with my cheese, which yes, I'm really I used, looking forward I used to, to do, doing. I used to do beer tasting sessions just for women, um, which is probably very sexist, but there we go. No, not at all. I think uh, a lot of women are intimidated by beer. Yeah. Um, and also I, I know, speaking personally, yeah. I just I don't know anything about it, and therefore it's mm. easier to avoid, isn't it? But I yeah. should love to come to a class for women to learn about beer. And it's so exciting, apart from doing things like this Leafman's Cherry Beer here or Innocent Gun, because it's slightly sweeter. Uh, but then Duval Triple Hoppy, it tastes like a Sauvignon Blanc on steroids. I mean, it's so exciting. And then I always end up with some fat, fatty pate or fat, nice fatty cheese with a sour beer from Belgium, one of these uh, Gurs, G-U-E-U-Z-E, which are made with wild yeast. And it's, it's, one, it's almost like a really odd old-fashioned cider. And it is absolutely gorgeous. And I say to people, you're going to hate this, you're going to hate this. And actually, they, they like it. So I just think we've got to get out of our box and try new things. And I think that's the effect which COVID has had on me. Well, that is a very, very good outcome. I have to say that both of you are so, so wonderfully articulate and you paint such great pictures with words. So who, who are your tutors? Do, are you teaching, both of you, or do you bring in other people who are experts in their particular field? How do you do it? Well, we, we train on the farm, but we I haven't yet eaten all of the level two cheeses, so I don't feel... Can't, I haven't taken level two. I, ha, I haven't... I'm not yet able to train... So we do bring in an amazing guy called Sam Wilkins, who is a level two, and he he trains on the farm, and which is lovely. So people get at this distinctive slice of um, of what it's like on the farm. I think cheese lends itself to beautiful words, you know, because you're you're reaching out to try and find what it is you're doing. This magical process that we've got, turning something something that originates on the land with cows and the soil into these glorious flavours. It it calls words forth from you. What a lovely description. I love that. And what about you, Rupert? Where are your tutors drawn from? Sort of wide range, really, because I suppose the the amount of knowledge we need is about packaging of beer, it's about the brewing of beer, it's about the ageing of beer, it's about yeast, it's about hops, it's about barley, it's about wheat. It's such a range of different uh, knowledge is needed. 
and I'm far too emotional and far too sort of head in the clouds to be a good tutor. So I think what we need to do is have, have sort of professionals to do that. And I'm really glad that that's what happened. Some of these beer sommeliers coming through have the experience of beer and selling beer. So I think they're very good as well. So a broad brush is good. We've also got, you know, in China, we've got people who've done the WESIC training, they're learning. We've got a lady who's teaching Japanese ladies in London, partly to teach English, but also to, to enjoy teas. We've got a Russian lady in Paris and uh, Russians in Russia uh, who are training. I mean, just... And, and um, or journalists, you know, one of the best cheese journalists, Patrick McGuigan, he's a fantastic trainer. Ch um, Charlie Turnbull, who used to run a deli, now now trains a lot of people. Paxton and Whitfield. So it, the, uh, our trainers are drawn from a huge variety of people with amazing skills. You know, some are training for chefs or some are training for retailers and some are training for cheese makers and 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 some are training for consumers. It's just it's just um, extraordinary to see the range of people who are doing that training. I think it'll, this all sounds so exciting. And I have to say, I'm hugely looking forward to the weekend and, and a bit of beer and cheese pairing. But what I'm thinking about is the next generation, because I think we'll probably all agree that the level of knowledge amongst children about how food and drink is produced is absolutely woeful. You know, we're, we're so disconnected from the process of of food and drink production in this country we've really lost our agricultural rural roots i just wonder what both of you think about that and obviously one has to be careful inducting children in the world of beer but how do you perceive your role in terms of educating young people i mean if you look back at the history of beer then um small beer was given to children anyway because water was quite often was uh, undrinkable and therefore small beer two percent one and a half percent same as great water had alcohol in as well but i think that people do need to know that it, that for instance, beer, how it's made, that it's a very natural pr product. And I'm re really keen that children sort of respect it, I suppose. I think through knowledge comes a bit of respect for a drink. Without that knowledge, it's just an, a form of alcohol. So I think it's really important to show people a wide breadth of a category and not just the highly promoted, highly advertised brand leader. Very good. And what about you, Mary? Well, that's really interesting. Up till now, we've been... Uh, Academy of Teach is such a young thing, a uh, young organisation where where we're grappling with everything that we have to do. And I love that idea of training children and having that available. I think that's a, perhaps a, a stage down the road. And certainly I know um, I, I do trainings with children at various events uh, and, I could, uh, uh, and they absolutely get both the magic and they, they understand at a level that grown-ups often find, you know, uh, they're grappling with, but the children absolutely get that, you know, what happens when you put the, 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 the starter cultures in and it starts to acidify and the rennet in and it makes it into a solid and then you chop it up and, and, and I get them to do that with me. Children just are, uh, are amazing in their appetite for understanding what, what's going on. So that definitely goes on. Another thing to go on my to-do list for the Academy of Cheese. Academy, that's, Academy that's wonderful. Of People, I was just I, thinking, you know, we, we, uh, we read about the cabinet reshuffle. I can't remember who the new Secretary of State for Education is. But, you know, if one could bend their ear and have just a, even the tiniest module as part of children's education to learn about British food and drink, wouldn't that be wonderful? Be amazing. My daughter, in fact... Has just who trained as a teacher. She's just doing for um for the the agricultural levy body. She's just doing a a, a little cheese making 
course trained teachers how to train children into in in so induct them into the magic of cheese making with the science of it and the the, the fun of it the flavor of it so oh that's, that's wonderful that's that one was a lovely um you know i think bearing in mind i mean how long have your family been making cheese well my family have been on this farm for 14 generations my mother started making cheese as it were the last generation because there was a gap in, in cheese making in the early years of the 19th of the 20th century it came off the farms and went into the went into more into the factories and we my mother started our cheese making up again in 1973 fantastic is dare i ask is your mother still with us she died earlier this year and we oh, named so it sorry. we named uh, uh but she she lived long enough to see that we had named a mixed milk cheese uh, cows and and she and uh, goat's milk mixed cheese Lady Prue, which we named after her to honour her contribution to. Oh, to... that's wonderful. And wouldn't she be proud of her granddaughter? <laughs> Disseminating yes, she... all that family knowledge. I'm so proud of my daughter and I'm so proud of my mother and and I'm sorry that they... But uh, time, time moves on and that's why it's so important that we need to train the young people because that's, that's how we're going to communicate everything Absolutely. that's possible with food. Yes, I completely agree. And I mean, Rupert, you must be thinking about this because, you know, it's getting harder and harder to import things and all of this. So um, I know that the little I do know about the others, a lot of hops are imported, but do you think we'll become more and more reliant on British hops? To be honest, we've always imported uh, and exported hops from the 1300s sort of onwards. So in a way, it's nothing new. Uh, and I quite, I mean, I think hops are the most wonderful sensuous creatures. So I, I quite like having a range from all around the world and knowing that we're exporting them to America and Germany and everywhere else as well so I think it's a nice cro crossover education-wise though I think there's so much to be done in schools but then we need a health education secretary who's going to allow people to know about food which will cut down future obesity and make people happier in their body and in their mind but uh, it may take a bit of time goodness there's so much to do isn't there but how wonderful thank you both for sharing your cheese and your beer academy stories with me today it's absolutely fascinating and I can't wait to try some of your cheese mary which actually i'm at my mother's house and there is some here in the fridge because my brother loves cheddar and we asked a friend who's a great cheese buff what to buy and she suggested some of yours so we have some of yours and i look forward to some of your beer with it too rupert and i will start trying to develop my palate so you've educated me already and i'm sure our listeners as well thank you both so much thank, thank you. you enjoy your cheese and, and beer fun i can't good. wait roll on the weekend very good carol you're listening to bread and butter with caroline kenyon to find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com.